Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. We love you guys. It's going to be a good day. It's going to be a great day. It's already a great day because God's here. God's here to meet with us. He's already met with us. God's going to continue to do some, some work in us. And let me tell you, look at, look at your favorite neighbor and say, uh, this, this word's for you. Some of you guys looked and they looked away. I'm sorry. Look at your second favorite neighbor and say, this word's for you. That should have covered everybody in this, in this room. This word's for us. There's not one person in here that doesn't need this word. If you are far from Jesus, you need this word. If you are close to Jesus, you need this word. There's not a person in here that doesn't need this word today. There's not a person in here that doesn't need this word. We're looking, we're, we're continuing in our series called How To, and we're almost done. Next week will be the last of the How To series. And leave it to me, we're going to turn... The, 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 the book of James was going to be a six-week series, and I think we're in week 14. So, uh, but we've walked verse by verse through it, and next week is going to be a great, great service. We're going to be wrapping up the last two verses of James. And I'm really excited. You might, two verses, that's not a lot to preach over. Well, Nathan and I are going to tackle it, and if you guys have ever talked to either of us, we're going to be here. I'm just joking. Uh <laughs> It's going to be a great, it's going to be a great service. You, know, you do not want to miss it next week. And I'm glad you're here today. It's no coincidence that you're here today. We're talking about prayer. And there's some of us that have been praying prayers for years. Same prayers for years. There's some of us that just is new to the prayer thing and never prayed a prayer in their life. That's good. We're, we're, we're going to look at it today. We're looking at James Chapter thirteen or chapter five, verses thirteen through eighteen. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. James, he's wrapping up a book, a how-to book, how to walk out faith in Jesus Christ. And I would say it's probably my favorite book in the Bible. It it, it would be it would be up there with Romans. Those two are. Man, they're my favorite books. They're so practical. But James, he gives us practical application to the Christian walk. If you're wondering how to be a Christian, read the book of James. He tells you exactly how. But here he's talking about prayer, and he, 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 he brings in some things that surround prayer. And so we're just going to jump in. It says in verse 13, Are any of you suffering hardship? You should pray. That's pretty solid advice. Notice what he didn't say. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should complain. That's weird. Like, what, what translation is that? You should complain. No, that's, I've, I looked in a bunch of different translations. Complain is not in there. Um, are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Well, that's great advice. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith. Can everyone say faith? Faith. Faith. 
offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Man, talk about the power of faith combined with prayer. That's some good stuff right there. And then in verse 16, he says, confess. Everyone say, confess. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So right there in 15 and 16, there's two healings that's going on here. I believe one is talking about a physical healing and one is talking about a different healing, more emotional condemnation type of things. But we don't like this verse 16, confess your sins to one to another. What? No, 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 no. That, no that, that's just between me and God. Well, that's not what James says. It shouldn't be. That's, that right there is probably one of the hardest things that he says to do. Because what will people think? Who cares? God told us to do it. Confess your sins to each other. The earnest prayer. Can everyone say earnest? earnest. Hopefully no one's name earnest in here. Um, some say the fervent effectual prayer. The fervent, earnest prayer of the righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And then he references this Old Testament prophet. Now, I've been reading 1 Kings and 2 Kings in my own devotion time and just hearing Elijah and Elisha's stories. Man, these men of God were just so powerful that when they spoke, things happened. But... James brings it back down. He reminds us that Elijah was a human as we are, yet when he prayed earnestly, it wasn't that Elijah was some superhuman that, that he could had some level with God that we can never attain. No, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. So when we actually meet Elijah in, in 1 Kings... He just kind of shows up on the spot, and the first thing he says is like, hey, it's not going to rain here to King Ahab for, for three and a half years. But before that, James gives us a picture here that he prayed earnestly ahead of that statement. He prayed, and because he prayed in faith earnestly, he was able to stand before the king and pronounce a drought over the land. That's pretty crazy. He was a human. And he prayed earnestly, and no, and none fell for three and a half years. Then he prayed again, and the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. Today, I want to talk to you about supplements. Really, that's what, that's what James is talking about. He's talking about prayer, but he's talking about the supplements around prayer. And every one of us have experienced supplements. I guarantee you most of us probably take supplements. I take a multivitamin every day to supplement my vitamin intake for the vitamins that I might or might not be getting from the food I eat. My wife reminds me that I'm probably not getting enough vitamins from the food I eat. I think everything I need is in fried chicken. So, uh, yeah. We're in the South. Can I get a hallelujah? Um, come on. Come on, somebody. No, but I take a multivitamin to supplement my diet. I, 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 
I, uh, I used to take supplements to supplement my workout. I can't afford them. So I stopped that. But the, the thing with supplements, and some of us have an idea what a supplement is, and some of us don't have an idea what a supplement is, I'm going to put us all on the same page, and I'm going to define it for you. The definition of supplement is something that completes or enhances something else when added to it. Every single one of us, if you drove here today, you experienced a supplement. It's called power steering. That is a supplement to your steering. Some of us are old enough to remember vehicles without power steering. And how, um, I had a, I, I've never had a car without power steering, but um, I did have a car that the power steering pump went out, and I remember having to have my air conditioner full on in the middle of winter. It would be 10 degrees outside, but I'm sweating just from trying to turn that stinking thing to find a parking spot. I'm like, oh my goodness, how did my grandma do this? She's just tougher than me. Um, I, I, I just remember like, man, like the supplement, like what, what power steering does though is it takes something very difficult and makes it very easy. It's supplement. A, a person that takes supplements when they work out, what they do is they take a supplement and it actually puts like, it allows your blood to like put more oxygen in, into your muscles. And so suddenly you can go to the gym and get a better workout. You can push past your breaking point where, where right now where I would fall on my face when I was on supplements, I could push past that and actually break my muscles down, and the supplement would turn around after I got done working out and actually help me recover so I could go do it again the next day. Supplements help. They enhance. They, they complete. My multivitamin completes my diet. A supplement. And James gives us three supplements. I'm not saying this is an exhaustive list, but he gives us three supplements to put with prayer. Now, you could add humility in there, how we approach God. There's a lot of other supplements we can add to prayer. But I want to talk to you about how to supplement your prayers. James gives three supplements to prayer. And some of us might be saying, well, what's prayer? I'm going to define it real quick. Prayer is seeking, asking, entreating, or entreating to God. It's, it's having a visit with God. It's seeking God. The word that James used for prayer, that's the definition that he used in Greek. It's seeking, it's asking, it's entreating, entreaty to God. That's prayer. So you're seeking God. You're asking God. You're visiting with God. And he gives three supplements to prayer. And this whole section of scripture in James emphasizes the power that we have in prayer. It's not that you or I are anything special, but when we understand who we're praying to and the authority that God gives us through his son and the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, prayer is powerful. And we can make our prayers more effective by supplementing it with a few things. Just like your power steering pump makes things that seem impossible possible. That's what these things will do to your 
prayer life. The first supplement that James gives us is faith. He said the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. That means, if you, if you read that scripture, that means it's possible to offer a prayer that has no faith. It's possible to commune with God and not in faith. And we all do it. Like, well, that, that seems like an oxymoron to pray and not have faith. We all do it. We, every one of us. When we say stuff like, I don't see how it's going to happen. God, I don't know how you're going to do this. Well, guess what? He didn't ask you. He didn't ask me. And he doesn't have to run his plans past us. But we do it. It's okay to say that. But don't let it stay there. Because a prayer without faith would let it stay there. But a prayer that supplemented with faith is, God, I don't know how you're going to move in this situation, but I know that you're God Almighty, that you can do all things, and I believe that you will move in this situation. Prayer puts a big butt in the middle of your prayer, or faith puts a big butt in the middle of your prayers. I did. The real pastor will be back next week. But faith supplements your prayer. It makes it more effective. It's okay to have those moments where you're like, I don't know. But guess what? We don't have to know. The 90% of the time, I, don't, I, I would call it wrong. But faith is supplements. And here's the thing about faith. Faith is never 100% sure. It's maybe 70% sure at best, but there's a great theologian named Larry the Cable Guy that once said that all statistics are made up on the spot. And he said like 32.9% of all statistics are made up on the spot. You guys will get that here in a moment. I made that up on the spot. Um, But faith is never 100% sure. And, and, and if faith was sure, then it wouldn't be faith. It would be certainty. And we're not called to walk by faith. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. Sight is certain. Like, I know that there's a step here, so I need to step down. I know that there's a step here. I know, like, I, I can see it, so I know where to step. I know what to do. I know how to move. Like, when I, the other day I was, I was praying in here, and that scripture just came to my mind. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put this into practice. I'm just going to close my eyes and walk this building. And I did for, like, 20 minutes. I only bumped into a few things. It was crazy. And when I did bump into something, when I got it wrong, where there was a wall or a chair, the, 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 what I was feeling with, my other senses kicked in, and I course corrected. But we're not called to walk by sight. Faith is not sure. It's not certain. But we're called to step out in it. It's, for us Pentecostals, Actually, this is not a Pentecostal thing. This is just a Christian thing. You know when you have those moments of faith and you know you're supposed to do it. How many of us have ever got that feeling right about here? It hits right right below the rib cage and you know like, oh man, I got to make a step of faith. I can't be the only one, right? No, no. It, it, it seems to be like right here, right? It's always that, 
come on. It's that faith. Like this morning, I'm like, God, I don't want to talk about identity. I just want to get up there and preach the word. And I felt that, I'm like, oh, oh, I got nothing to lose. So I'm just going to step out in faith. And maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. But every time I step out on that, maybe, peace comes in. Peace is not a feeling, though. Faith is a feeling. We know we get that feeling that we need to step out in faith. But peace is a person named Jesus Christ. And he loves to show up when people step out in faith. He steps right into your situation when you take a step of faith. He loves to show up. And faith and peace go hand in hand. But you usually don't feel the peace until after you step out in faith. And James is telling us the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. That means you might be praying a prayer that you don't know if it's going to show up the way you think it's going to show up, but you're going to pray it anyways and watch God do it. This supplement is so essential to our walk because there are people who have been praying things for years and you're like, God, are you listening? He's listening. God, are you going to show up? He is going to show up. Don't lose heart. Keep praying in faith, believing. Remember last week I said one of my best, my favorite definitions of faith is believing what you pray for will actually happen. It's not believing God can do something. God can do anything. That's not faith. It's believing that when we come before God and just take him at his word and saying, Jesus, I'm going to pray in your name. Jesus said, ask anything in my name and my father will do it. I'm just going to believe your word. I'm going to ask. It might not happen in my time, but I'm going to pray in faith and stand on your word in faith and see you show up. It's a powerful thing when we supplement our prayer life with faith. You will see miracles happen. You will see Lives transformed. You will see lost loved ones come back to Jesus Christ. You will see uh, generations of your family. You'll see your finances change. You'll, you'll, You'll see things when we supplement our prayers with faith. But not just faith in anything. It has to be faith in God. That he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And faith is a hard thing. Some of us want it to be certain. You can't have certain faith. It's impossible. You can't do it. But the cool thing with faith is God can take a, Ryan, will you step out and be a lead pastor? That's the question I've heard. And my faith answer was Y-E-S, question mark. Yes? And God can work with a yes with a question mark behind it because it's not necessarily how we respond It's more about the action. Yes, God, I'm going to do this. And we step. And then he shows up. Is this making sense? Guys, we have got to supplement our prayers with faith. Some of us aren't feeling peace in situations Because God has told us to do something and we haven't stepped out in faith to do it. And you're like, God, where's your peace? 
God's like, my peace is right here. I haven't left you. I haven't abandoned you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you always. He's right there. Peace is a person. He's a prince of peace. But you only feel his peace when you step out in an obedience. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how else to explain it. There was one time I, I was praying downtown with this guy, and, and uh, I noticed that his arm was just kind of like this. I'm like, what's going on with your arm, man? I just asked him in conversation. He's like, I can't stretch it out. I'm an Iraqi war veteran, and it just hurts when I stretch it out. And when he said that, I had a thought go through my head. It was this thought, pray for his arm and tell him to stretch it out. I'm like, yes. I was like, okay. So, sir, do you mind if I pray with you? I believe God can heal your arm. He's like, sure. He's been prayed for before. Some of us are right there. I've been prayed for before. Prayed for him. said, sir, I'm going to ask you to stretch your arm out. I'm going to ask you how it feels. He went, mm-hmm. it doesn't hurt. I'm like, it worked. <laughs> like, no, but faith. Sorry, all, all, um, everyone's like, hearing aids are like, oh my goodness, why, why did we give him a mic again? Um, but faith is acting, and I, it doesn't make sense. Faith is illogical. It's going to go against everything your flesh wants. It's it, Literally, your flesh, this flesh and blood body will make you doubt faith every single time because your flesh hates everything that is spiritual from God. It hates it. So when God tells you, hey, I need you to pray for that person in line right there in front of you, your flesh instantly kicks in. That's not God because we're in Kroger. He doesn't move in Kroger like that. And, and your flesh constantly makes you doubt faith. But if, let me challenge you. If you supplement your prayers with faith and you say, what do I have to lose in this situation? You will discover that you have nothing to lose but everything to gain. And if you lose anything, what you gain is so much greater. We have got to supplement our prayers with faith. And faith doesn't seem logical. It does not seem logical at all. Um, there is a, can I tell you a story? I'm going to anyways, because it's in my notes. So, um, Christmas of 2018, I was down visiting my family and I'm hanging out, talking to my dad. It was like a Saturday night and, uh, just talking with him and everything. And my, my mom comes out and says, Ryan, um, your sister, your sister has a friend who has a kid, he's uh, 12 years old, that needs to talk to you. So at the time, I'm a student pastor, and so I'm, like, gearing my brain up for, like, okay, this kid needs to talk from a youth pastor. So I'm trying to think, and I'm praying, and I'm thinking, uh, how, how do I, God, I'm just, it was kind of on the spot, so I'm just, but I'm thinking it's going to be that type of talk. Like, hey, man, you have a purpose. God has a plan for you, and just kind of speak life into this kid. Well, I step into the room, and, I, like, Sky was following me, and at the time she was uh, three, I think so. And my mom goes, Sky, you can't come back here, okay? And I'm like, why can't she come? Like, that, that's weird. And I walk into a, um, a speakerphone call 
of a 12-year-old that is demonized. And he's growling. He's, I'm like, okay, whoa, whoa, this is not the conversation I signed up for. Peace out. I'm done. But the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me do that. And 45 minutes of praying, like, the, the demon, like, they never told the, the guy his, my name or anything. He's growling. I can't even do it that, that deep. It, it, was, it was so crazy. And he was growling at me. He's like, Ryan, I'm going to kill you and your, your, your wife, Amy. Like, he named my family. I'm like, you don't know me. Shut your mouth. You have no authority over my life. Shut up. And all this is going on. And I'm like, what is happening? What, like, like, and she's like, well, my 300-pound husband can't hold down my 12-year-old. I'm like, like, and she, she's like, well, he does have a heart condition. I'm like, it doesn't matter whether he has a heart condition. Um, that, like, so this kid, he downloaded an app to resurrect his dead dog. And he read this script off this app, and he said that, like, stuff just happened. And his counselors didn't believe him. He said that stuff came out of his phone. It was crazy. But this demon-possessed kid was pushing off a 300-pound man, growling. And it was, in the middle of the conversation, every now and then I would tell the demon to shut up. He would get quiet. And, 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 and then the kid would go, help me. It was, it was bizarre. So 45 minutes go by of doing warfare. I'm, at this point, I'm so mad. I'm ticked. I'm like, dude, you better listen in the name of Jesus. I'm like, I'm like dude, I'm, I'm about to do the Stone Cold Stunner. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm getting, that was a WWF reference for all of you guys. Um, I was getting ticked. And suddenly, suddenly, the kid just passed out. And... The mom was like, the mom was a believer, and so was the dad. And she's like, is it over? And I'm like, no. The, the demon made your son pass out so he doesn't have to leave. I said, this is what's going to happen. And I'm telling you, I said everything that followed that statement was complete faith. I stepped out in faith, and it didn't make sense. I, I say all this to tell you it did not make sense what I'm about to say. I have no justification for this. I just, it went in my head and it came out my mouth. And at that point, I was 45 minutes into warfare, so probably anything could have came out of my mouth. And um, I said, okay, this is what's going to happen. The demon's going to come out within the next 20 minutes. Your son's going to throw up the most gross substance you've ever seen in your life and I'm just saying as soon as that happens there's going to be a physical manifestation of, of what that's happening spiritually as soon as that happens you need to lead your son in the sinner's prayer do you know the sinner's prayer he needs to accept Jesus Christ so the Holy Spirit can come in him and all this stuff and I'm, I'm talking to her I said and you're going to call me back within an hour and like 45 minutes goes by she FaceTimes me her son is the sweetest little 12-year-old boy. He's like, thank you, Pastor Ryan. Like, you're just the nicest kid. And he, she goes, but you weren't lying about that vomit. She showed me. It was a pile this big. It was green. It was so gross. And she said, as soon as that happened, I let him in the sinner's prayer, and he hasn't been the same since. What I'm getting at is faith is not logical. It doesn't make sense sometimes. But God asks us to step in it, and James commands us. He tells us to supplement our faith. 
our prayers with faith. The second supplement is confession. This one is huge, and this one is not so often used. You want your prayers to be effective? We need to make a habit of confessing our sins one to another. This is why life groups are so important. If you're not plugged into a life group, plug into a life group because you're able to build relationship with people. You're able to get down to that level to where you can confess one another with your struggles, with what's going on in your life. You don't have to hoard it. Your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and he wants to devour people who are alone, that feel alone. He makes you feel depressed. He makes you feel anxious. He makes you feel like you don't have identity when you're not surrounded by the church of the living God. But when you're surrounded by the church of the living God in community, it makes confession so much easier. I didn't have freedom I did not have freedom from pornography until I confessed it. I once heard, I think his name's Pastor Jeremy Foster, but he said, we confess our sins to God to be freed from the power of sin in our life. But we confess our sins one to another to be freed from the habit of sin in our life. I'm going to repeat that. We confess our sins to God to be freed from the power of sin in your life. In our life, if you are a born-again Christian, sin has no power over you. It does not, but your flesh still craves it. So we have to have community and accountability. And James gets this. And, the, and he says, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. And I truly believe the healing that he's talking about isn't necessarily a physical healing because he already addressed that. It's the healing from self condemnation. It's a healing from unforgiveness. There are people in this room that cannot bring themselves to forgive themselves. Let me tell you, if God Almighty can forgive you, then you can forgive you. God is completely holy and perfect, and yet he stepped into humanity for 33 years to overcome the power of sin and forgive you of that sin and make you righteous. And to say that I can't forgive myself, I've done too much. Have you ta- take that up with, taken that up with God? You haven't done too much. God died for your too much. Well, I have to do something in order to gain favor. No, you don't. I have to make it up to God. No, you don't. Jesus did all the work for your salvation. All you have to do is believe in Jesus Christ. But when we confess our sins one to another, what does that do? It brings it to light. It brings it to light. As long as you keep your sin in the dark, the things that the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, and you know that you should confess to your peers... To people, I'm not just saying like anyone and everyone. I'm not saying, oh, I'm going to grab a microphone and say it to the church. Get in community. Get in a live group. Find people you can trust and have that time to where you can confess. But whenever you keep things in the dark, you keep yourself in condemnation. You keep yourself in condemnation. You, you can't escape condemnation if you don't confess your sin to one another. You will always condemn yourself. And the Bible's clear. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1.
Memorize it. Learn it. Let your heart be reconciled to it. God does not condemn you. He doesn't communicate that way, but the enemy does. The same voice that tempts you to sin is the same voice that condemns you about the sin after you've sinned. But when we confess our sins one to another, it brings it to light. Suddenly we take away Satan's playbook. He has, it, it literally takes his authority. Oh, you should feel bad about that. I don't. I, I, told my, I told my brother in Christ about it. I don't feel bad anymore. And suddenly you get to experience freedom from it. It's, it's quite amazing what just doing this confession will do. And he says, confess your sins one to another and pray. It's a supplement to your prayer life. It's so important. And this is so hard because it, it requires us to be vulnerable. And we, we so often worry about what people will think. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what people think. It matters what God thinks and what God says. And God says you're forgiven. God says um, his sacrifice is more than enough. You don't need to feel condemned. But as long as we keep things in the dark... We will. But when we confess one to another, we bring it to light. We bring it to light, and it allows healing. It allows condemnation to fall off of us. Some of us are depressed and anxious because we haven't confessed sin. And, and we're confessed and anxious about things that are completely unrelated to the sin. But because when we keep things in the dark in our life... It goes against our very nature as followers of Christ. Remember John, 1 John chapter 1 says, God is light in him, there is no sin at all. There's no darkness. And we say we walk in light, but practice darkness, we lie, and the truth is not in us. So when we allow darkness to stay, we allow non-confessed sin to, to fester, it's going to make us anxious, it's going to make us depressed, it's going to make us feel ways that God doesn't want us to feel. And then suddenly we're medicating and we're followers of Christ. Suddenly we're, we're, we're. But if we just step out and say, I don't care what they're going to think about me. Because I guarantee you, that's a lie from the enemy. Every time I've ever stepped out and confessed anything, the opposite's happened. I've always felt like they're going to condemn me. They're going to, they're going to push me down. They're going to be so mad at me. But the opposite's happened. There are times where I've had to confess things to Amy. There are things that I've confessed to my friends. And every time I've been wrapped in the grace of God because guess what? They're, they're, they're Christ-like. And, they, and, and that's the truth about our, our church body. When you confess, the opposite's going to happen to what you think. They're going to wrap you they're going to wrap you in the love of God and say, man, we're here for you. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you brought this to us. How can we move forward? How can we grow together like Jesus? So we, the, the supplement, though, is confession. We have got to confess one to another and pray. The, the, last, the last supplement of prayer is earnestness. So the first two supplements are something you add to prayer. Okay? You add faith to prayer. You, you, the prayer offered in faith. Okay? That, that's added to... You can pray without faith. We've established that. Confession. 
Confession is an added thing to prayer. Confess and pray. It's a supplement. But earnestness is different than the other two. Earnestness, earnestness is an adjective describing how you pray. The fervent prayer of a righteous person, the earnest prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the definition here for earnest found in the Bible. What, what James meant when he said earnest. I think it's on here. He meant to be active, to be efficient, to do, be effectual, fervent, be mighty in, shoot forth self, work effectually in. This is not something you add to prayer. This is how you pray. And what does this tell us about prayer? This tells us prayer is not nonchalant. I'm not saying that you can't have those nonchalant prayers. I'm not, I'm not condemning you. I, if you ever hear me talking to myself, more than likely you're hearing me pray. I'm saying, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amy gets mad because I'll wake her up in the middle of the night saying, thank you, Jesus. Like, she's like, shut up. Quit thanking him. Leave me alone. Let me sleep. No, she doesn't do that. She just punches me in the face. I wear makeup. I'm joking. Stop it, Ryan. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. Stop it. But she, she's thought about it. I guarantee you that. She's probably thinking about it right now. Um, um, so, it's a decision. Prayer is intentional. And James is saying the fervent, the, the earnest prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. How you pray matters. How you pray matters. What you supplement your prayer life with matters. To be active. To be active. That, man, a- active is like, a, like a, a catchphrase around my house. We're constantly saying, we gotta, we got to stay active. we got to be active. And we're constantly going outside. I, I can't work out at the gym if I don't go to the gym. I have to be active. i got to choose to do that. Prayer, you got to choose to be active in prayer. The earnest prayer. And then, not just to be active. Efficient. Well... How does prayer efic- how, how, how do you make prayer more efficient? You don't have to tell God ten different ways for the same request. You don't have to. You don't have to have a thesaurus prayer. James is actually saying be efficient in your prayer. Just go before God. I'm not saying that we don't linger in his presence. We don't praise him. I'm not saying that at all. But there are times where you have to get down to business. When I go to the gym, I don't talk to people unless the Lord tells me to talk to them. I go to the gym, I work out, and then I go home. And my friend's like, how do you do that many things in 45 minutes? Because I said I go from one thing to another. I'm efficient. I don't waste time. I get down to business. And when we're earnestly praying, we feel like we have to list all the formalities out 
before we can get down to business with God. If it's on your heart when you go into prayer, just go into what's on your heart. Because God's more interested about what's on your heart in prayer than what you think that he wants to hear. We so often pray and we we have to go through these formalities because we think God wants to hear all this. I'm not saying we don't praise. We should, but there are times we just got to get down to business. When I was dealing with that demonized 12-year-old, I didn't walk in and say, okay, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed is your name. I just got in and said, in the name of Jesus, get out of this kid. We just got after it. It's efficient. It's active. To be effectual. To be mighty in. God wants our prayers mighty in power. He wants them. He he doesn't want us to, to, to pray ineffective prayers. We're the church of the living God. We have the same power that rose Jesus from the grave living inside us. The Holy Spirit's at work inside us. It's time that we start praying prayers that reflect the power that is working inside us. To shoo forth in. To work. Prayers work. I remember most of my childhood hearing my mom speak in tongues and pray for my sister's salvation almost every night of my life. She would stay up. She would get up at 4.30 in the morning. She would stay up to 11 just calling out for my sister's salvation for 20 years. She would put the work in on her knees. And now my sister is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's work. But the fervent Effectual prayer of a righteous man, righteous woman, is powerful and effective. And James gives us these supplements to surround our prayer life. I'm I'm passionate about this. I'm not going to apologize for my passion because I love prayer. I believe prayer is the only thing that can change anything because I know who I'm praying to. I'm praying to God Almighty who spoke and everything came into existence, who stepped into humanity and bought my salvation. And he afforded me through his righteousness and his sacrifice to come before God in the name of Jesus. And there are people in here that need to recapture the power of prayer. To start praying faith-filled prayers. Prayers that you, you haven't prayed in years. And you thought, man, God hasn't answered yet. He's answering. He's just not on your timetable. Keep praying. Keep declaring. God responds to faith. Some of, some of us are waiting for God to tell us something new to do. We're praying, God, give me direction. And God's saying, you haven't responded to the last instruction. Do that, and then I'll give you a new direction. And some of us need to re-acclimate our mind to the instructions God gave us and step out in faith. Some of us need to confess our sins one to another. And some of us need to recaptivate. In fact, I would argue all of us need to recaptivate this earnestness in prayer. Because guess what? 2020 is almost over. Yeah. But what if, what if we end this year 
charging ahead. We don't have to wait for the new year to have a new year, new life. We can end this year charging, ready for what God's going to do in 2021. Let's not say, okay, in 2021, God's going to do it. No, what does he want to do now? What if we saw him today, earnestly, and tomorrow, earnestly, for what he can do now through us, for how he can grow his kingdom today through us? We always push it off in the future. Well, next year will be different. Today can be different. I'm, I'm, uh, can you put the first slide of scripture up? This is how we're going to end. I don't want to mess with scripture. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Altars are open. Your seats are open. If you're going through it, you should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. I would encourage you. Maybe you need to pray first and stand up and sing praises. But as Ben leads, I would encourage you, stand up and worship like there's no tomorrow. Give God all the praise because he's God Almighty. He deserves it all. And if any of you are sick, we're going to anoint you with oil. And the prayer offered in faith is going to make the sick person well. That's how we're going to, that's how we're going to end. This is what the word of God says. I need our faith to be there. Let's stand on the true word of God. What you're, what you're feeling and what you're experiencing right now. It's just God showing up amongst his people. It's that peace that we can't describe. It's that love that knows no end. And I, I just feel like I need to tell you, this is just a glimpse of what's to come. But whether it comes is entirely up to us. God wants to do this and so much more in his church and through his church and in this community. But we have to decide to be the church. We have to decide to earnestly seek God, earnestly go after the lost, earnestly go after his glory. It can't just be a nonchalant thing that we do on a Sunday morning because it's 9 a.m. and I need to get up and go to church. This is a building. It's plugging into a life group. It's inviting your friends to a life group. It's praying with those around you at work. It's stepping out in faith. If, if you think this is a move of God, this is like a dead skin compared to what he wants to do. God's here to challenge us to fulfill his purpose on earth. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going to just pray because truly a true response to the word and what we've heard from the written word and through the Holy Spirit in his church, a true response to that isn't an emotional time in a room. A true response to that is a life lived outside this room. So my challenge today is to supplement your prayer and your life with faith, with confession, and 
earnestness to do the things of God. Father, I pray for your church. Lord, we want to see things. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no tongue can confess what you're going to (laughs) do. But Lord, it starts with us being obedient. So help us walk in faith. Help us to step out in obedience. Help us to be the church. Help us to be willing to submit to your Holy Spirit in every area of our life. And let us respond in obedience outside these walls. Let it be more than an emotional response, but let it be a life of obedience. And Lord, I truly believe saying in faith when we see that no eye can see, no ear has heard what you're going to do in C1 Church. That this service won't be enough, that the next service won't be enough, that the next service won't be enough to contain the people that are getting saved and added to your kingdom. Lord, be with us, go before us, and empower us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I love you guys. You're an amazing church. Now let's go be the church.